It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the Auburn Live Podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two-story building, beautiful place. A great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location in downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern. Great game day experience, uh, weekend experience. Um, just go check them out. Southeastern on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bao uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp, shrimp rolls, and, and steak, steak, and, and, and chicken uh, skewers, and um, rice bowls, and just a bunch of bunch of good stuff, man. If you've never had Chinese bao, it's really really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry, it moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bao Restaurant downtown Auburn, and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. Welcome into another Auburn Live show. It's Thursday morning. Hope everybody's having an awesome, awesome week. Uh, I am Justin Hokinson from AuburnLive.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. Make sure and go subscribe to AuburnLive.com. $10 for the next year um, right now. That'll end at some point, but right now that's killer. So go be a part, go be a part of AuburnLive.com. We have a lot of good stuff, football coverage, basketball coverage, recruiting coverage. Um, so go check that out, man. We've got, we got stories on on uh, what Brian Harson had to say this week. Um, we have stuff up on uh, Auburn's inability to, to rush the passer. What are they going to do to fix coverage in the secondary? Um, we got their 2022 football schedule up at AuburnLive.com. We got that with some thoughts. So anyway, uh, go check that out as long as as well as the message board, the corner, some recruiting information um, and things like that. So make sure you're on AuburnLive.com subscribing. All right, let's jump right into this with our weekly guest from CBS Sports, Mr. Barrett Salee. Barrett, what's up, dude? Oh, not much, dude. It's uh, it feels nice. It feels like fall out there. It's uh, football weather these days. So uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting week last week seeing uh seeing how, how Alabama fared and then the Auburn Penn State game and then late night with UCLA Fresno State. It was uh, it was a fun one. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I want to, we can, we, I want to hit on the uh, Bama Florida game because that was the only other, that was the only big game in conference. Um, we can talk about SEC stuff um, like we always do towards the end. Um, obviously we'll start on Auburn and Penn State. Um, it was, you know, I thought it was a really good football game. Yeah. Um, you know, we it was interesting listening to Brian Harson after the game. Listen to him again on Monday. Uh, it's very clear that he's not about moral victories. That means nothing to him. Um, you know, he made it very clear they went there to win. Um, 
I would say the game went about like I thought it would. I mean, just talking the other week, that I, I mean, that's I just it kind of played out. Auburn might have run the ball pretty, maybe a little bit better than I thought. That was nice, but it kind of played out how I thought. I just thought it was tough circumstances for Auburn to win, but they definitely had their chances. Um, what was your takeaway? Um, what was your takeaway from from that game? Um, things that stood out to you, surprised you, didn't surprise you? Just what did you leave that game thinking about Auburn? You know, I know Brian Hart. It's not about moral victories, but to me, it showed that Auburn's a good football team. You know, those were two pretty evenly matched teams. Penn State's better. They're more complete. Uh, I think they're better coached offensively right this very moment, which is fine. Uh, and, and that's that's OK. And, and to me, it suggested that Auburn's going in the right direction, um, you know, because you're right. It was a tough setting. It was a tough situation. They handled themselves fine. The players were not intimidated by the atmosphere. In fact, I think the atmosphere was. Um, you know, the intimidation level wasn't there for either team. The excitement level was there for both because Penn State players hadn't really been in that situation either. So I thought that the players handled themselves well. And and had it not been for a couple of curious offensive play calls, then Auburn had a chance and probably would have won it. And that's just the way games go sometimes. you got to be a winner, got to be a loser. And, you know, uh, Auburn to me, is on the right track. So, you know, Brian might not say there's moral victories and, and sure he's right about that, but I think anybody that, that watched that game that knows Auburn knows how dysfunctional it's been in the past, knows how chaotic things have been on the sidelines, especially in road games, Watched that game and thought, okay, it, it's, it, this is going to work. It's not going to work right this very second. And there are still things to iron out, but it's it's going in the right direction and that's got to reassure a bunch of people who you know if there were people that were still on the fence with the brian harson hire uh yeah you didn't get the win on saturday but i think that game certainly calms the fears of of people who are not necessarily on board with brian harson yeah i mean i think it was a it was certainly a good first impression um you know if, if you're if you're just saying okay the first two games you know were cupcakes which they were if this was the first big game uh, which it was his first ranked opponent for Harson, you know, at Auburn. It was a good first impression in terms of what's Auburn going to look like against big time competition. Yeah, um, it was it was a good it was a good first impression. Uh, you know, I thought he was pretty calm and under control on the sidelines. I mentioned to somebody how uh, how you know 180 he looks from Gus Malzahn on the sideline. Who yeah. you know, Gus was just uh, he's just so frantic. And there's times where maybe that, you know, there's times where, and if you watched Auburn and Gus, it was frantic, yeah. both good and bad. I mean, frantic, crazy things happened good for Auburn and it was crazy. And then, you know, I think that frantic stuff kind of affected the team sometimes, sometimes negatively. And so I like Carson's, I like a more calm, um, consistent approach. And yeah. so I, I think, especially on the road in the SEC and stuff like that. So I liked what I saw from him on the sidelines. Um, yeah, I agree with you. It was a good, it was a good, um, perform. I, I thought from a communication standpoint, from a penalty standpoint, there weren't a lot I mean, they had a couple of false starts, but yeah. I mean, there weren't a bunch of penalties for Auburn in, in what supposedly is, you know, one of the harder environments. Um, and it was really loud and, 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 you know, and all that, but, um, pretty under control. Um, you know, really the, the, the Kobe Hudson fumble third quarters probably, it's probably the only time I can point to something where it just seemed like just a completely rattled play. I mean, it's just a, you know, maybe he doesn't do that at home. It just something, something happened there. It was kind of crazy. Well, and that um, play call was a big problem too. Like, I don't understand. Like that was one of the two things with Mike Bobo 
that really stood out to me. One, why are you putting the ball in Hudson's hands first play out of the out of the locker room in a situation that is, you know, clearly was foreign to not only him, but a lot of players on that team. And then two, the fourth and one fade on the, the uh, boundary side. I mean, it, yeah. to me, well, A, you have Tank, use him. But then more importantly, B, you know, that that call seemed to be more of a, I hope we get the pass interference so we get four more downs to punch it in than anything else. Because I, I hate goal line fades anyway, but it almost seemed like on the near side, what what is the point of that other than to try to get four extra downs on a pass interference? I, I just, that those two things cost Auburn the game. And I, it's, I know that sucks, but I, I think if you go in that situation, if you ask somebody before the season, you go in the situation, you have a chance to win like that, then in a game where you, know, you, you didn't make a ton of mistakes, you take that. And so, you know, it's it's impossible to go undefeated. Not to say this Auburn team is going to, you know, go undefeated from here on out, but I think the confidence that that they have and that they earned, um, you know, from other folks around the country was was pretty apparent. Yeah, here, so here's what I'll say on those two plays. I think the third – I'm with you on the 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 Hudson. That was odd. Now, I under, what I've, what I've get garnered from Harson so far, and, and you said Bobo. I, I don't – Bobo, Harson. I'm not sure who called that. I feel like that was a joint decision because yeah. Brian Harson, uh, <clears throat> his kind of M.O. is out of timeouts or to start a quarter. In the first two games, he's, 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 uh, they've, they've dialed up some big plays. Mm-hmm. Coming off like coming off a timeout or to start a quarter or change in possession, so, something like that. So that that's kind of a Harson mo is at a time like that, like coming right out of the gate to call something like that versus being in the middle of a drive and you pull yeah. it out. Uh, he's you know his mindset, I guess, is you know thinking. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly. That's just how he. That's just so, sort of how he approaches it. But I think coming off coming out of the out of the locker room you got to figure the defense is probably going to be pretty dialed in, like right out of the locker room. I mean, yeah. may, maybe you run that after you've done some action that gets their eyes in a, in a different place. So I'm with you on that was a weird time to call that play, uh, especially when he said that they thought they could get something on that play. And you go, look, like there's no chance. Like there's the whole defense there. is on that side. The receiver was covered. I mean, the honestly, if he doesn't fumble the – the best thing that happens from that play is the fact that it would have completely broken down because they were all over it. Yeah. There was nobody on the left side. And that's the crazy thing. If he doesn't fumble his idea of cutting it back, Kobe Hudson was about to be off to the races. Yeah. He had line. There was a deep safety over there. I mean, he was about to have a huge play, but not because it was a great play call. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. The fade, the fades, man, that seems – I don't know. It certainly seems like that was – well, it's Bobo, Nicks, it's all, it's all of them. I mean, the way Brian Harson described that play was there was options, there's five options on that play, and that's true. There's wide outs, there's options. And then the way Bo Nix described it was we got a look, and it was man-to-man, and so I went with the fade. So it's not on Bo Nix. Obviously, he's, he's taught to go somewhere depending on a look. And so, you know, I, I I don't know what to make of that. I mean, he I think Bo Nix made the call on the field. It's man to man. Yeah. So I'm going here. And um, and then yeah, Kobe Hudson, I think for sure, as soon as Kobe Hudson didn't get off 
didn't get release. He, he, mm-hmm. he initiated contact and he tried to draw, he actually helped pull the DB down. Yeah. He tried to draw something there and it, and then Bo Nix to his credit, he did what a quarterback should do. He runs over there and he's begging for a, a penalty. Um, but yeah, we all know like fades are hard to execute as you know, and it's just like, you know, you're just, you're just praying. Now what sucks is that you turn around a few plays later and they flag Nehemiah Pritchett. That was a <laughs> massive, that was a massive call. That was a terrible yeah. call going back and looking at it. Terrible call. Pritchett gets his head around and everything. Yeah. Um, and the miss safety was a, was a, was a big miss call. Like literally in the span of like no time, there was a, there was a, the call that was controversial, probably not on Penn state. Shouldn't have been PI, but they didn't call it. But the fourth down call was bad. And then you have a safety that pictures show that his knee was down. He was in, it was a safety. Yeah. And then right after that, you have a defensive penalty that would have given Auburn. It would have been it have been two eighteen, I think, on the clock, not running third and twelve from the one with yeah. the timeout for Auburn. Timeout, I mean, right. they get the ball with with over two minutes left. Um, yeah. So some big calls that didn't go their way, um, certainly late in the game. From now, since we're on the coaching, since we're on the coaching second guess bandwagon, which is always the, which is always exciting. <laughs> um, Derek Mason and, and the ability to rush the quarterback. Yeah. Um, Auburn did a good job of that in game one, but it was Akron. They're terrible. They, you know, surprisingly, if you go back and look at Alabama state, they didn't, then, you know, pressure wise, it, it wasn't really there. I mean, Alabama, they killed yeah. Alabama state, but it dropped off. And then you saw against Penn state, it was a massive problem from talking to Colby Wooden it sounds very much like it was a game plan thing. And, wa- and watching the game, it's, it, it seems like they – it was a scheme thing where they, they thought, we don't want to get beat over the top, we don't give up big plays, and we think that our front four can get there. And they couldn't, not, e- not even really close. And they put a little yeah. bit of pressure, but, but nothing dramatic. I think they hit Clifford three times the whole yeah. game. What do you make of that issue, and, and, and how does Derek Mason adjust – Will he adjust? Like, I think we're going to learn a lot about Derek Mason and what kind of coordinator he's going to be because that was not good. That, they didn't just lose that game on, de- you know, because of talent. There was some game planning on that defensive side that, that was not, I think, was a mistake. Well, yeah, but I would argue this. What, why change if it was relative? It was working because it kept you in the game, right? Like, they weren't getting beat over the top. Auburn, like the defense gave them a shot while they didn't get pressure. It also was working well enough to give Auburn chances, multiple chances in the second half. So yeah, I, maybe he should have adjusted and, and cranked up the heat a little more, but there was no reason to scrap the entire plan because by and large, you know, you don't want Clifford to beat you. You don't want Jahan Dotson to beat you. Right. And by and large, Jahan Dotson didn't until the very end. Right. And yeah, that was, fair. you know, that was a great play by Clifford, great play by Dotson, whatever, tip your hat. Uh, but they really were, it was working, you know, for Derek Mason. And yeah, I mean, you'd like to get more pressure on Clifford. And yeah, that probably would have changed the game had you been able to do that. And he probably should have uh, made a slight adjustment, you know, especially late in the game um, to try to force the issue. And if you get beat, you get beat, you know, at some point you got to swing for the fences. I get that. But, and that, that was the problem, but I don't see any reason to try to abandon everything uh, and, and suddenly crank up all the heat in the world on Sean Clifford, knowing that Jahan Dotson's probably the guy that's going to beat you. And that that's the guy you pointed out beforehand that you specifically don't want to beat you. So I get the frustration, but 
by and large for Derek Mason, you know, it was, it was working enough to keep you in the game. And in a game like that, that's pretty much all you're asking for. That's a fair point. It's a fair point because, um, yeah, I mean, they, because despite Clifford's numbers, Auburn was in the football game. And like you said, Dotson had a good night, but he didn't have those over the top plays. Like you saw against Wisconsin, a game breaker touchdown. He didn't have that. I mean, he had, uh, you know, one of his best plays was honestly on a zone where Clifford kind of found him behind the zone, but yeah, he didn't, <clears throat> Dodson didn't beat you deep. And so, so you're right. I mean, on one hand, the game plan did what Auburn wanted to, which is don't get beat deep, keep everything in front. Um, what I think you're right. And I think what gets overlooked, honestly, the quarterback pressure is becoming, it is become sort of a, a, a storyline from that game. Um, yeah. and, and rightly so, because Auburn's got to figure something. I got to, they got to mix in a little bit, but what goes probably isn't being talked about enough or at least as much as the pressures is the, uh, busted coverages. I mean, 130 yards of, of Clifford's 280 or 290, whatever he had was tight ends. Yeah. Um, and so I think when you look at that game, you know, that, I think that's another area why I'm not. I'm not overly concerned yet with Derek Mason in the, in the defense because one, I think that it was a scheming issue that let, that led to the lack of pressure. Yeah. And it no. wasn't because Owen Papo can't rush the quarterback or, <laughs> or, yeah. you know, I mean, it's not like you, you got some athletes that you could probably send. Yeah. Um, but the busted coverages as well, those sucked, but they can be easily fixed. If you go look at what those were, man, just complete mental errors like Smoke Monday, yeah. just just leaving a guy. Um, yeah. And credit Penn State with some really good designs, man. The the one that they hit the tight end where he lined up his left tackle, they ran that in an up-tempo situation immediately following a big play. I I couldn't imagine on defense trying to trying to line up correctly. Just diagnose that. that. Like, what, I mean, you, how have, you, do you it can't that even quickly? believe what you're seeing. Yeah. So, like, that was a great play call by Penn State. Um, they had another play where they rolled right and threw a screen back left that was just extremely well designed. So I think Auburn made them work pretty hard. And I think if you clean up some, some mental errors and then just find ways to mix in a little bit more, but like, I think this stuff can be easily fixable. I just think it was a game plan issue against Penn state that maybe wasn't the best. They give a little too much respect. I think maybe to Penn State on offense. Yeah, yeah, and and again, I, I think Derek Mason's smart enough to know that if if it needed to be changed on the fly, it it would have been. And it, it, he probably thought that it was it, he he did. I think clearly at the very end of the game, they definitely cranked up some pressure, but it was too little, too late. And look, that's you you just tip your hat, like you said. Uh, yours yours is a great play caller. Like some of those things that that he did and, and the fact that he's making Sean Clifford look responsible with the football is, is really incredible, is really incredible because yeah. um, it's, it's Clifford looks good now. And that, that's what I said, look, you know, Penn state's a top five, top 17 Auburn's still, I think I had him 20th in our CBS 130 poll, right? Like it, there, sometimes you just have two good teams and a couple mistakes, couple breaks here and there, you know, swing the outcome. And I think that's really all that happened. And yeah, Auburn had a chance to win. The two offensive play, uh, play calls we discussed earlier, those don't have one of those doesn't happen. Auburn might have uh, might have won the game. You know, it's just it's it's those little things here and there, and it didn't fall Auburn's way. And the other thing before, because I want to talk about the offensive side of the ball for Auburn. The other thing about the defense is, despite these things that we're talking about, they still only gave up 390 yards of offense. And in yeah, this day right. and age, on the road against a yeah. top ten team, that is not bad at all. 
No, it's not. That's it's not, not bad at all. No, they're they're all right. Um, yeah. So, um, and then even better in the second half, thinking of like 130 yards to Penn State in the second half. I mm-hmm. mean, so um, much better in the second half. So he made clearly made some adjustments. Um, what do you think of Bo Nix? Obviously, Bo Nix, Bo Nix, Bo Nix. It's all we talk about with Auburn. <laughs> I'm kind of to the point where I'm like, I mean, we can look. He, we can still. He's he's the quarterback. We're going to talk about him. There's things he needs to do better. Like he's a he's a work in progress. Um, but at some point, man. Um, other guys got to make plays, but just what do you think of him on the road versus what you've seen of him on the road in the in the last two years? I thought it was a different Bo Nix, you know, and I think a lot of that is goes back to something we talked about. You talked about before and what we talked about a couple of weeks ago is that the chaos, I think, played negatively into Bo Nix and how he operates between the ears. And I think on the road, like, this was a different game on the road. I don't think you can count this. You know, you obviously count it toward his record, but, you know, comparing it to what he's done in years past, it just it doesn't make sense to me because he was responsible with the football by and large. He made smart decisions. He didn't get a ton of help from his wide receivers. And, you know, he is limited still within this offense because there is some certain uncertainty at, at, in, in the receiving court. So I thought he played fine. Uh, he remained calm. He didn't panic uh, except for a couple times. But, you know, that's it's a college football game. That's going to happen. Um, you know, and so I think that this offense in general fits him well. The the mindset and the demeanor of of not just Brian Harson, but the way that the game sort of flows helps him. And that that gave him a chance and gave Auburn a chance on Saturday. So I think he did fine. He's not a he's not a game breaker. He's not you know going to win the Heisman Trophy or anything like that. He's a pretty solid quarterback that I thought had a pretty decent day. That you know had a couple of things out of his control, did not go his way. Some things he probably could have done better, but I mean, I, he, you know, quarterbacks get the most uh, praise and the most criticism. I get that. That's always how it's going to be. I'd love to know if what the frustration with Bo after that game is, because if, if it's that he's not going to be a, a Heisman trophy candidate and not throw for 4,000 yards in a season. I mean, okay your quarterback did all you all he could they ran the ball effectively he's limited I mean limited offensively in terms of his weapons and he's still learning this offensive scheme I I just I don't I I don't know what more people expected from him If if he could provide it great but that's just who he is and the fact that he's not turning the ball over this year still a very good sign yeah no turnovers is huge almost whew almost yeah, um, that pick six would have been bad. Um, well, yeah. But I agree oh, that the management overall looked looked better. Yeah. Um, I mean, you go back and watch. Did he he continues? I think sometimes to make a harder throw than he should. There there was a few plays that he made. A, he made a throw, and then you look back at the tape, and there's a receiver open that would have been a much easier throw. And yeah. whether he just got locked on. Or whatever, there was a few of those. It could have been big plays. Kobe Hudson could have had a huge night. There was there was two plays where Hudson was open, and and Nick's went somewhere else and made a much harder throw. Um, that's going to happen, um, you know. But you know, he he also Nick's also could have had. He probably could have pushed 250 yards passing if Shedrick Jackson catches two balls that he yeah. that he should have caught, and Demetrius Robertson catches one. Three drops between those two guys would have would have given him another 50 yards who knows how that changes the game because there's drives there that stalled that would, wouldn't have stalled. So mm-hmm. he, he also threw some really, really nice passes. And here's what I'll say about Bo Nix, man, from listening to Brian Harson, 
Brian Harson is a stickler for the details, for the process, for the decision-making. I mean, that dude's not going to carry anybody's water and he's yeah. not going to sit out there and, um, and, and, and sit here and, and, and come in defense of people that don't like he he's, he's hard. He's strict. He's yeah. a disciplinarian. And, and he played the position in college. He played quarterback. So for him to come out and, and, you know, not full on defend Knicks, but he, his, his assessment was, I didn't have a problem with his decision-making. I thought it was, you know, thought it was fine. Paraphrasing here. thought his decision-making was fine. He was much more concerned about the players around Bo Nix making plays than he was about Bo Nix's play. As he should game. be. Specifically, that's, that's specifically right. the receivers. Yeah. yeah. And so, man, Bo Nix is – if Brian Harson, if that's his stance, I'm cool with rolling with what Brian Harson says about, like, where Nix is and where the offense is because I think that guy doesn't mess around. And if, if Bo Nix isn't making the plays – I think he'll he'd come out and go. We need better decision making from from the quarterback position. Like I think he would say that. And and so when you hear him, I think he's concerned about that receiver position. Like he wants smart, instinctual wideouts. He wants guys that know spacing and and, and know routes and know concepts and get the defense. He wants wideouts, man. He doesn't want athletes. And I think that's where they're lacking a little bit. And so I, I think that's where more of his frustration lies. But I, it should be. if he didn't have a problem with Nix's play, I, I don't. Yeah. And and the receivers, look, I think it goes back to, you know, yeah, they've had a chance to work with Harson, but, you know, they, they didn't have the opportunity to operate like that under Gus Malzahn. That's not how Gus operates. Right. So, right. you know, for the, for the veterans, this stuff's kind of foreign to them. Uh, for the freshmen, it's college football for the first time, right? So it's it's a completely different challenge. So, yeah, I mean, if, if they have one guy, and I think that's a big reason why they went out and got Robertson, is that he's uh, he's been around, he knows different systems, he's a smart guy, um, you know, real cerebral knows, you know, what to expect. I think that's why they got him, uh, because not only – can he provide a boost, but he also can help the, the younger players, you know, develop and it just hasn't happened yet. And, you know, that's, that's just the nature of the beast with the way Auburn's built this year. Now I'm with you. Um, Tank and Jarquez, is that the best running back duo in the league? No, uh, Zeus and McIntosh and those guys at Georgia are, there's more of them. They're, they're the same yeah. players, but there's more of them. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They run That's about fair. 40 instead of two. But they're they're up there. Jarquez is awesome. Like watching that guy play, I mean, he is – he hurts, man. You, you watch him run between the tackles, he hurts, and he can run away from you too. I, I It's definitely up there. And, man, Tank is – for, for being a guy who is still relatively young, I mean, he looks like he is a, a seasoned NFL vet out there in the way he operates, he the way he approaches everything. He really does. And, and, and Jarquez has even surprised me. I've, I've heard about and wrote about Jarquez being a guy to watch out for. Like I knew he, he's got all that potential, but he looks even better than I thought he would be um, in, in some of the ways he runs. And even he's got, I don't know if that's Cadillac. I mean, Cadillac's a great, running back and i mean i would give cadillac the credit in a heartbeat um but those guys look you know cadillac williams the running back coach but those guys look like you said for young guys a sophomore and a freshman we're talking about yeah there's some plays that they make that uh that are that are nice whether it's the way they cut the patience um there's just some plays that they make and jarquez boy i tell you what he he looks like an absolute natural 
like even the hurdle play that's such a that's such a crazy athletic play but for a true freshman in game three have the calmness of mind to come down and jump over that guy like in 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 the in the millisecond it would take to make that decision um man he that that, that's going to be where auburn's going to hang their hat as the season moves forward is their ability to run the ball man 189 yards rushing man that's good that's the best auburn's looked running the ball against a ranked opponent in in my mind since since the 2014 season, you could go back when they had Nick Marshall and Cameron Artis Payne in 14, yeah. and, you know, beat Ole Miss. And so since then they haven't won on the road, but once, and it gets yeah. the better teams on the road. The reason they're getting smoked is because they haven't come close to establishing the run. That was different Saturday night. That, that was a team that at times was beating up the other t- defensive line and running the football. They haven't seen that in years. No, and that, and they should have stuck with that. I mean, that's they should have stuck with that because it probably would have won yeah. the game. But you're right. You mentioned Cadillac. I mean, I, I was thinking during um, during the game. You know, yeah, Jarquez looks like Cadillac, and uh, Tank runs a lot like Ronnie Brown, like real smooth, oh, here real we nice go. and easy. Like honestly, like you go back because look, this obviously was right after I left there too, so I got a you know got to know those guys really well, but. I mean, Carnell looks like – he runs like Cadillac, and Tank is smooth like Ronnie Brown. They they really do run like that duo. Man, they're, they're a special – they're certainly they're – certainly the I mean, you got Carnell, Ronnie, and you've got – you know, when you had Trey Mason and Cameron Artis Payne, um, it's certainly the best duo since Mason and Payne in 13. Um, and gosh – Probably, I mean, it's probably a better duo. It's certainly a better duo than Dyer and Michaela because Michaela wasn't a real running back. He, he got his yards yeah. through a lot of different ways. So, yeah, you'd have to go back and he had been taken. and Carrion were, I mean, kind of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like there was moments, but, but Carrion was young. I mean, you, you yeah, they're, they're going to be, if Tank, if they do this year, they stay next year. Obviously, Tank stays next year. Yeah. It's going to be one of the better duos in the past 20 years for mm-hmm. Auburn football. And that's going to be, um, I mean, it's going to be Auburn's calling card. They're going to have to keep balance. Um, I know you said keep running the ball, and they are. I think fans are going to get frustrated because they're going to have to throw. Like, you have to throw to keep the other team off balance. And the more you run and the better those guys are, the more defenses are going to go, well, we just got to stop them. And so I I, I have a feeling fans are going to get, like, unless unless receivers step up and the passing game takes off, if let's say it looks similar to what it looked like against Penn State, where it's just kind of, you know, there's big plays, but then there's we miss some chunk plays and that kind of stuff happens. They're gonna be like, just keep running, and it's gonna be yeah. frustrating because Bobo's gonna have to keep throwing because the running game is what it it's is. So he's there. almost yeah. like he's gonna have to keep like pushing, pushing you off, like get off me. I gotta keep doing some of that just so we can have some room to run. So it's paramount that Auburn's passing attack become more efficient Bo Nix that need to be throwing the ball 37 times. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. You know, whether that's the tight, you know, Shanker, Shanker, Johnson and Shanker looks really good. And, um, you know, you threw to yeah, big they have tight ends at all. They have tight ends. Oh, dude, look, I love the tight ends. I think, <laughs> I think the duo of Sh- Luke deal doesn't get nearly enough credit. I talked about Luke deal on our five. When I wrote about on Auburn live, I wrote five tigers who helped themselves. One of them was Luke deal. And then, and then what do we see? He's named honorary captain this week. He, he's, he was fantastic blocking mm-hmm. him and Shanker and even Tyler Fromm. You, you look at Tyler Fromm, even running a couple of routes. There was one where he should have gotten a much better ball. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he had his guy beat on a, on a deep ball. Um, 
But Shanker and Luke Deal, that's it's one of the better tight end duos Auburn's had in a long time. Those guys are never oh, probably sure. going to get the credit that they deserve, but they're really good, and um, they they do a lot to to help this offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, what are your so so going on Georgia State? They're going to run the option. Uh, that'll be a little bit different for Auburn. Um, just you know, I guess we'll come we'll come away going Auburn fixed their passing issues. No, um, Georgia State. By the way, Sean Elliott, like. What? I mean, did you see his comments? No, I didn't. What is he doing? He, I mean, I don't understand. He, he comes out on like Monday and he says, I don't know what the question was, but he basically was like, look, it's if you think we're going to go into an SEC team, a program, and just because they have, you know, a lot of fans or some eagle flying around and we're going to be like intimidated. I mean, it's just another football game. And then he made some kind of comment about they have some former coaches that had losing records. Like, what's the big deal? I mean, I don't know what is ha- – I don't know if there's some – like, are we missing something between Sean Elliott and, like, Mike Bobo and Derek Mason? Like, what, what are we missing? I would imagine, but he I was would very, imagine yeah, there's probably something that happens. Uh, I don't know yeah, for I mean, sure. Normally, but, you know, Sean was such so, – Sean was around that South Carolina program for so long. Uh, I would imagine that there's some, there's some sort of beef, whether it be from the recruiting trail or way back when where – they, they don't like each other, but I, I like Sean Elliott. I mean, he's a good dude. Um, right. But I, yeah, that I didn't see that. That is very bizarre, yeah. but I, you know, look, I think for Auburn, you know, trying to fix the, uh, the defense, get some more pressure is, is big. And then just, you know, try to build off what Bo had done, you know, the, especially the first game when you, you know, he had two incompletions, you know, just, just figure that aspect of it out. Uh, you know, you can run the football, just work on that because you're going to need it going into sec play. And I, I think that will lead to another offensive output that's kind of like the first two games. I, I think that they need to get that confidence back. I think that uh, Bobo will take what he knows works and work off of that. And you're going to see, I think, a lot of different receivers involved. I, I know the tight end has been a big part of it. Uh, I would imagine against Georgia State, maybe that's not the case because they already know that that works. They, they need to do some more stuff. They need to figure out – um, you know, how to diversify a little bit. So it's going to be – Georgia State's not very good, uh, but I think they need to use that as a, as a chance to, to really build off what they, they learn, both positive and negative, uh, through, for, through the first three games. Yeah, and boy, after that, um, you know, we knew Auburn's schedule was hard. Mm-hmm. It now looks harder than even we thought it was going to be because Arkansas is better than we thought they were going to be. Or – uh, it's always such a funny phrase. Like they're not better. Are they, I mean, they're, they're what they are and we just didn't have enough information. You know what I mean? It's like, they're better than we thought they were going to be. I mean, Arkansas's, uh, you know, I guess better than predicted and Ole Miss, Ole Miss is, is good. Awesome. Ole Miss is probably looks better than predicted. Certainly uh, on, on offense, maybe even see the schedule. You're like, if Auburn can't go to Baton Rouge and win for the first time in 20 something years, <laughs> Um, if they don't do that, they then go in whatever order it is because I, I get it confused. You've got Arkansas, you got Georgia, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and AM, four ranked games after LSU. Whew, I mean, welcome to big boy Not football, great. Brian Harson. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, luckily for him, Georgia's at home, which I mean, historically doesn't really matter all that much because Georgia has had, you know, a lot of success lately, but. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, like that matchup for Auburn right now. I don't like Georgia matchup against anybody right now. Um, Especially a team that can only kind of run. It, gee, boy, I don't know. It's bad. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, it's 
it's going to be tough for Brian Harson, but you know, he's uh, again, I, I think the takeaway from the Penn state game is that Auburn can compete with anybody. As long as they play smart, disciplined football, they're talented enough and well-coached enough to, to be in a lot of games. And if you're in a lot of games, sometimes you catch that break. Sometimes that play call that, you know, that Bobo didn't make, he makes the right one. Sometimes, you know, a player goes out there and makes a play that typically he wouldn't make, you know, that's, they're going to be in every game. That's the thing is like, you know, usually when, you know, we've, we've seen Auburn a lot over both of our years. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where a lot of times, you know, things turn south in a hurry, especially in road games. And, you know, it just kind of goes off the rails. I, just, I can't see that happening with this Auburn team, especially considering there are some big games at home. So it's, it's going to be tough, certainly, because Arkansas is a lot better than, than people thought, although they are one-dimensional. Uh, and, and Ole Miss, you're probably going to have to score 40 points against Ole Miss. Everyone probably is going to have to score 40 points against Ole Miss. Uh, and, and that's going to be hard to do. But, but uh, you know, I think Auburn right now is, is going in the right direction. If they work out some things this weekend, still play discipline, work on the passing game, they should be fine. And, you know, win some of those toss-up games. And if they win some of those toss-up games, then in year one for Brian Harson, I think that's all right. Yeah, I think that LSU game and that Arkansas game – I think Auburn's gonna have. I think Auburn's gonna have to win those games if if they want to uh, not be like two and six in the league or something like that. Because because like you said, Ole Miss can score. It's like, geez, I mean, you you know, can you can you hold up there? And then of course, A and M's on the road, and uh, Georgia's just um, you know, extremely <laughs> dominant. And um, and so yeah, I think Auburn's a better team than Arkansas. I think they're probably better than LSU but you're on the road in both those games. And so yeah. that just, that just, that changes a lot. Um, all right, let's talk SEC real quick. You had Alabama, Florida. Um, I was surprised at how well Florida ran the football. I mean, yes. they ran all over Alabama really and shut down Alabama's running game to some degree. I mean, that was a shocking development to watch Bama get beat uh, in the trenches in those two games and to watch in that first quarter, I was like, this game's over. This I, is Alabama. Yeah, here we go again. And Florida flipped the switch to their credit and absolutely outplayed Alabama the next three quarters. Um, is that more an indictment on Florida or Alabama? I mean, how, how does I think, that? I think it's all on Florida. You know, I think maybe we got too accustomed to, to thinking that Alabama is going to be perfect. Uh, because yeah. essentially they were last year, um, <laughs> you know, so this, you know, that's, that's rare. And for a team to go on the road, the way they they did and win that game with basically all new offensive, you know, uh, skill players and, you know, two new offensive linemen who are replacing, you know, legends, so to speak, it was a tough situation. They handled it well. And, but I mean, for Florida to not, you know, roll over when you get down 21 to three and for Dan to swallow his pride and recognize that Emory Jones is not a passer and basically go to almost an exclusive zone read game plan on the fly. Um, and then the defense, like you said, to hold Alabama's rushing attack down the way that it did, you know, it's Florida is a much more complete football team than I thought. Now they're flawed and they're limited, especially as in, in the passing game, but they're able to still work around those and, and to do so against Alabama is a sign that they are much closer to Georgia than they are to Kentucky and Missouri. Uh, now that's not to say that they're going to beat Georgia, but I thought Florida was going to be average at best this year. And that's a really good football team. And they're, they're flawed like everybody else in the country right now. There's, there's, there's an issue somewhere. And for Florida, it's the passing attack, but to come out defensively and play the way they did against that Alabama offense, especially after getting punched in the face three times 
uh, was, was awesome, especially because it's Todd Grantham. I mean, Todd Grantham is not known for that. You know, this is, yeah. this is a, a Todd Grantham who's much maligned and Florida fans wanted fired. Uh, it, were, it was, it was a great performance. And, you know, we talked about Auburn, no moral victories, Florida, I'm sure doesn't want moral victories either, but to, to quit themselves the way they did and to look that like that, not only was a great sign for the future, but also I think a sign to recruits that, you know, this Florida team can potentially get to where Alabama is once they get the personnel, because they clearly have the coaching acumen. And I hate to say that because yeah, I don't like Dan Mullen. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of him either, but I have been impressed with him uh, so far at, at Florida. Although, you know, last year that team, how, I think they ended up losing four when it was all said and done. That was weird. So SEC West or Big Ten? Who's the better conference? SEC West or the Big, the Big Ten East? Or that's just the, or just the just entire the whole conference. Big Ten. No, the whole Big Ten. The whole Big Ten. I mean, Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, because the SEC West, I'd have to go back and look. It's as hard to think of a time recently yeah. when the SEC West has been this good top, top to bottom. I mean – yeah, but I mean the Big Ten, you got Iowa, you got Wisconsin. Both those teams are really solid. Penn State's a top five team. I think I had a number five. Ohio State's flawed, but they're Ohio State. Michigan, Michigan State are both pretty darn good. And I hate to say that because yeah, I don't State, think much yeah. of Michigan. Um, Michigan State, how about that game? Whew, that game against Miami. Michigan yeah. State is legit. Um, I'd still say the SEC, Michigan? but I think the Big Ten's still pretty darn solid. Now, with that said, Rutgers is three and zero, so you know, take that with a grain of salt. I just, uh, I just, I don't know, man. I just sometimes when when Auburn the last few years is just crazy the schedule they play, and I'm thinking about Brian Harson just going well, you know. I mean, uh, you wanted it, here, <laughs> here you, go. you go. I mean, it is crazy. Let's roll. What he's about to uh, to get to get into, like I mentioned before, he had only played 11 ranked games in his career. And he's going to play, I don't know, like seven this year. Seven, um, yeah. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Ole Miss Lane Kiffin, they just scored again. Um, <laughs> do you, are you on board with what everybody's saying about college football in general this year, about it being the year where there's, where anything can happen, uh, unlike last year? I mean, that's some merit. Clemson hasn't looked exactly what they've, you know, like they've looked like. Alabama's you know, two point win. Maybe you're used to them running rough shot. Ohio State gets upset by Oregon. I guess there's some things point to that, but when it's all said and done, are we still looking at Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama, or or is do you think it's going to be, you know, a, a real well, mi- a real mix up in the end? I think the the sure thing right now is Georgia and or Alabama or both. You know, I think that Georgia right now, if <laughs> their offense is fine, they found playmakers. Even without JT Daniels, you know, they, they found the receivers outside. They're fine. Um, Alabama, as long as they don't get like somehow edged out, because I think I, th- I think Georgia's going to win the SEC. So as long as there's not like, uh, you know, just everybody sort of edges Alabama out, Alabama's a sure thing as well. Everybody else is flawed. I, I do agree that it's it's definitely interesting and, and definitely different because, you know, last year we had Bama. We, two years ago we had LSU. Um, those teams just ran roughshod through everybody. We're not going to have that this year uh, because everybody's flawed, and that does make it more interesting. Uh, in the end, are you still going to get the same teams? Uh, maybe. Uh, they, they're all still talented. They're all still well-coached. But does the door – They're all still probably the best team in their conference still, even with their flaws. Yeah. They're probably all still the best team in their conference. Right. But I think that the, the one curveball is that Oregon, you know, has that win over Ohio State, which certainly yeah. changes the landscape. 
landscape. But, um, you know, yeah, you're, those are the best teams. They're the best coaches. You're going to see a lot of those teams in the discussion. But is there a chance that, you know, Oregon gets in? Yeah, 100% there's a good chance. Um, you know, is there a chance that two SEC teams get in? Sure. Could Penn State get in? And be, Could this be like that year? What was it 2015 when Penn State? 15, 16, when Penn State won the uh, Big Ten title. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. On 16, they got in the playoff. You know, it's yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it's going to be like that. It's not going to just be an anticlimactic uh, selection Sunday. Yeah, it could be interesting. And look, I'll just we'll we'll end on this, which is, you know, look if we think Penn State is which which they're ranked sixth or whatever now, and um and they've got to win now over two ranked teams. Wisconsin sitting there at eighteen. Let's see what Wisconsin looks like again. Where they play uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Um, let's see what those those are two teams. By the way, they're ranking. You talking about rankings that are completely, basically unjustified at this point. <laughs> those two teams in their rankings. I don't know if they're ranked teams or not. We'll I, we'll find out. Nobody but deserves to be ranked at this point. Jeez, oh, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like everyone always says so and so is overrated. It's like, well, who are you going to put in there then? Right? Like if if you, you yeah. say somebody's overrated, then somebody else has to be underrated. What's that team? You know. <laughs> Yeah, rank, rank. I mean, what is coming? I mean, look, no, no disrespect to Coastal Carolina, but how long are we going to keep up this charade? Oh my God! I mean, fine, fine. They're you know whatever they beat by BYU last year, but really, we're going to like how many teams would be favored, or would you pick straight up to beat them right now? Like thirty-five other teams, forty. Well, and and, and I mean, speaking of BYU, BYU's really good. Like legit, they're good this them. year. I haven't seen them. They are three straight Pac-12 South wins. They can run the dang ball. They place. I mean, they are a, they are a really good team this year. I'm, I'm surprised people State? aren't watching them. Well, well, I mean, what do you mean you're Late surprised night. that they're not watching them? They Late play. Night. They play at midnight. <laughs> Late night. Fun, fun times. Mormons yeah. after dark. <laughs> but the point is, Penn State. Okay, Penn State. We feel like is proven. They're one of the few. Georgia. I think you know. There's a few that you know that have played a game or two that were like okay, I feel like a pretty good idea. Pretty have a pretty good idea. If we think Penn State's that good. For all the criticism about Auburn, like we're picking apart and this and that and da 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 da, da. it's like, well, wait a minute, take a step back and go. Penn State's a top eight team. Yeah, Auburn went on the road and lost by eight and had opportunities to win. And that's like, you know, I think if you take take a step back, then that's not a bad place to be no. at all at all for Auburn. The problem is their schedule's crazy hard. So it's like what we talked about, like. Auburn could at this point Auburn could go at this point eight and four looks fantastic if Auburn goes eight and four at this like right now at this juncture already with a loss on their record I would vote for Brian Harson for SEC coach of the year <laughs> I mean if he goes eight and four at this point against what he's got left in year one I, I think it would be fantastic like I'm reevaluating yeah, what I think is a good season for Auburn now I agree now you know I agree and but here's the thing too and, you know, not to compare things that are kind of, you know, not necessarily the same, but weren't we kind of having the same discussion in 2017 when they went on the road and lost to Clemson in week two with Jarrett Stidham? I mean, we kind of were. And, yeah. you know, obviously that that team got better and the schedule was brutal because I remember that year thinking, oh, man, they got to go on the road to Clemson as well as all the other crap that they have to deal with. Uh, LSU on the road, which obviously did not work very well uh, for Auburn that year. But, um, you know, it's it's early. And if you there again, there's no moral victories, but there's confidence and they gain confidence from last weekend. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, they still have one of the better players in the league and, and somebody like Tank and they can. 
they can build off off of a uh, off of that. All right, man. Well, so what do we got? What's the big game this weekend in the SEC? A and M Arkansas, the SEC on CBS game of the week. A and M and Arkansas. Where's that game at? Yeah, Jerry World. Oh, okay. And so that's going to be, uh, it'll be a slug. Neither of those teams can pass and yeah. they can run and they can play defense. So that, I mean, it'll be a fun one. It'll be old school. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Cause you know, it's, I like it when Arkansas is good because that fan base is so passionate and Man. I like yeah. them to have that moment because they don't get it very often and they take advantage when they do. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of Jimbo Fisher. He's a clown. And so I will go <laughs> for, uh, you know, Arkansas, um, you know, I'll, I'll hope that they, they win that game probably versus, uh, you know, rather than, than A&M. Yeah. Low scoring game. <clears throat> it's gotta be a low scoring game. Cause those are pretty good defenses. Yeah. Um, and they run, they can't pass KJ Jefferson can't really pass for Arkansas. And, yeah. you know, Zach Calzada, you know, we've seen him for one game as a starter. He was okay. It was against New Mexico, you know, whatever we'll see. But I, that's the thing is I think both of those coaches, are going to play, just try to play bully ball. And, you know, that'll be fun. It'll be exciting. That game typically gets weird too, especially when it's in Jerry world. Sometimes that game goes sideways. What, I wonder what the capacity, what they're looking at, because with Arkansas now, they're the resurgence this year and uh, a and ranking. I mean, there's, are we thinking there's going to be 90, 95,000 people in there? Or, I, I mean, so. I don't think so. No, not possible. No. I, I mean, like I, it's, it, 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 there could be a lot, but I, I just, I, mean, I think they, for one, I, th- I think that they used to not sell upper deck seats in uh, that one because they've played there like five, six times. I'm pretty sure they've just taken the upper deck out of it, which still is like 70,000 people, but you know. Yeah. That'll be a fantastic game. And then that gets us ready for their, yeah, we'll talk next week about Alabama Ole Miss, man. Whew. That's going to be a, it'll be a fun one. Bet the over. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right, dude. Well, um, I appreciate it, man. Uh, where are you headed this week? You, you traveling anywhere? I am. It's a home game for me. It is nice. a home game for me. I'm excited. I like, uh, like having the, the TVs on. I like being able to coach little league and come back and get the job done for 12 hours while, uh, while sitting in the confines of my couch. Yes. Yeah. Especially with zoom now, man, it's just, uh, if the, whenever whenever they go back to normal, it's going to be a lot more difficult. It's not bad sitting and in the office, hopping on a Zoom, doing an interview with the coach right in your seat at your computer. Uh, I'm not complaining. It does not suck. Not at no, all. No, it does not suck. All right, Barrett, appreciate it, man. Make sure to check out Barrett at cbssports.com as well as Sirius Radio on Sunday mornings. What channel is it? 84. 84. I was going to say 184. Dang it. Channel 84 on Sunday mornings. Go check that out and make sure to check us out on auburnlive.com. And uh, as for Barrett, Justin, we'll see you until next time. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.